Welcome to Quantum Kingdom Life and Virtual Church Community. I'm David. This is my lovely wife, Joanna. There's the Queen's Wave. She's double waving, double for your trouble today. And we're in a live audience. Everybody say hello. Hello. We're in uh, the Orlando, Florida. We can see Disney fireworks from here late at night. And so uh, come by and see us some night on a Wednesday if you're in Central Florida. And tonight we've got a fun teaching and very exciting because the Bible wants us uh, to be equipped for every good work. Things that are written beforehand or aforetime were written for our comfort of the scriptures and to strengthen us that we might have hope. And so tonight we're going to talk about seven dimensions of prayer and seven pieces of spiritual armor. Seven dimensions of prayer and seven different pieces of spiritual armor that God has given us that we might be able to stand through any situation. Prayer is a type of spiritual warfare. Proclamation is a type of spiritual warfare. For prayer is something we do up to God in our vertical relationship. And then proclamation or decrees or warfare is something we do against the adversary. And so we inhale in prayer. We get filled up with the wisdom of God, the power of God, the presence of God, the love of God, the mind of the Lord on the matter. And then we have the strategies of heaven on how to dismantle the powers of darkness through declaration, through decree, through proclamation, and coming against the works of darkness while releasing the kingdom of light. So anything that you bind, you also want to loose. So you can bind the negative and loose the positive. You can also bind the word of God to somebody and loose somebody from wickedness. It just depends on how you address it. And the end of the day is God knows your heart. And if he gives you something unusual to pray, he'll honor it. And if you have prophetic expression in prayer, sometimes you'll begin to smite your hands together in prayer. Or you'll raise your hand and you start doing this. As you're doing that, it's an act of obedience as the Holy Spirit is leading, whether they marched around Jericho seven days, once a day, and on the seventh day they marched around seven times, and then the walls fell down. There's sometimes a prophetic act that you'll do, like the king was told by Elijah to bang the arrows on the ground, and he banged them three times. And Elijah was upset. He says, this was a prophetic act. This was your moment in time. And you were lackadaisical, you were lukewarm, you only banged the arrows three times. So now you will only defeat the enemies of Israel on three occasions as king. But if you'd have banged them five or six times, you would have utterly destroyed them. So there's prophetic acts that take place while we're in prayer and intercession. We're going to get into the seven types of prayer tonight. But I want to lay a foundation that warfare has two sides to its coin. For properly spent. One is praying to God out of relationship and getting the strategies of heaven and getting our lives and our hearts right with the Lord. And the other is proclamation or decree or warfare. And if you're only doing prayer up and not warfare against the enemy, you're not going to get the full measure. Where one can put a thousand of flight, two can chase 10,000, how many would like exponential increase in their prayer life and victory over the enemy? So if you're only doing warfare, I know a lot of people, they're like constantly coming against the enemy. They have no peace. They're constantly in warfare. Had a vision while praying for somebody the other day who's a mighty, mighty person of the Lord. I mean, we highly respect this individual. And when I was praying, I had a vision. I saw this individual with their hand in a field frozen to a sword. And I think the Old Testament scripture is, uh, I think it's Benadiah. It wasn't like a, a common verse or something that, you know, just quoting, but I saw that in this individual. I said, I just saw you in a field with all these, you know, dead bodies of the enemy, not, not human bodies, but spiritual warfare that they had been involved in. And I saw them tired, but they didn't know how to stop fighting. And their hand was frozen to the sword. And they said, oh, I know who that is. That means something significant to me. I said, God is calling you into a place of rest where you're no longer fighting the enemy for everybody else, but rather you're resting in his presence. 
those that wait upon the Lord, he renews their strength. In rest, you will find rest for your soul. There's a place where God will bring us into a place of rest in prayer, just reviving and inhaling and being restored where the angels came and ministered unto Jesus after the three temptations in the wilderness. And he did warfare during that time. He spoke out of the book of Deuteronomy and the three temptations of Jesus in the book of Matthew. And in the book of Luke is another recording of it. But in Matthew 4, you see where he overcomes the lust of the eye. I'll give you all the nations of the world. Thou hast not in mind the things of God. You know, and he said, I'll give you, you know, throw yourself down. And do something supernatural, he says. For it is written, he will command his angels regarding you, pick you up in their hands, lest you dash your foot against the stone. Satan is quoting scripture, but out of context, out of timing. And then what happens is Jesus responds back again out of Deuteronomy. Test not the Lord thy God. And he says, well, you're hungry. It's been 40 days. You've eaten nothing. You're hungry. Eat. Command that stone to be made bread. He's the son of God. He could do that. Whatever Jesus would speak in alignment with the Lord, the Father, would come to pass because God can't lie. If he says a white wall is blue, the minute God says it, it becomes blue because his word goes forth and doesn't return void. It accomplishes whatever it says. The reason God can't lie is whatever he says becomes true. So if he says you're healed, you're healed. If he says you're delivered, you're delivered. And you say, well, I'm looking at my circumstances. It doesn't matter. If God spoke, it's done. Stand. Sometimes standing is prayer. Stand, therefore. Put on the whole armor of God. So, really, warfare has two sides. God's called us to have a double-edged sword in our mouth. Right? And so, the word double-edged sword is really a partnership. Where a double-edged sword is, God puts the word in our mouth. Out of your mouth shall issue forth a two-edged sword. God puts it in our mouth from heaven, and then we speak it out of our mouth on the earth that it might be done in earth as it is in heaven. So we partner with God. Without God, we cannot. And for whatever reason, without us, God will not. And guess what? The enemy also needs partnership in the earth because he's a disembodied spirit and he's looking for a few people that will yield to him that he can step into the lives of and he can use. I mean, God's angels aren't going to commit murder. God's people shouldn't be committing murder. And the devil, the thief, only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He is a murderer. And so he's looking for somebody who will partner with him to do evil deeds, to hurt people. The thief only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus Christ comes to give life and to give it more abundantly. John 10, verse 10. So the word... Double-edged sword is really a partnership. God speaks it, we repeat it. That it might be done in earth as it is in heaven. Is that helpful as we start? So warfare has two sides. One is praying to God and the other is declaring or praying against the enemy. Tonight we're into seven different types of prayer and seven different pieces of spiritual armor that God has given to you and has given to me, to every believer that we might access all the benefits of God. So the first type of prayer, seven dimensions of prayer. Prayer has seven dimensions. And this is really based upon Ephesians, where it says, giving all prayer with all supplication. So you say, well, David, where's seven types of prayer in Scripture? Where does it say? And Paul said there are seven types of prayer. Paul said all prayer. So underneath the banner of all, we're going to identify in different places in Scripture where the different types of prayer are revealed. And Jesus operated in all seven. Prayer has seven dimensions. The first type is confession. Now you say, oh, well, confession, you know, I've got to confess my sins, this and that. That's part of confession, but that's only one facet of it. Confession could be confessing who God is. You are the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You are the God that brought water from the rock. You are the God that opens the blind eyes. You are the God that raises the dead. You are the God that sets the captives free. You are the God that turns water to blood. You're the God that delivers people from the fiery service. You're the God that 
parts the Red Sea, brings manna from the sky. You are the God who brings water from the rock. You are the God that makes the bitter water sweet. You are the God who saved me. That's a type of confession of who God is. And also, we can confess what great works he has performed. Confessing who he is. He's Jehovah Jireh, the Lord their provider. Jehovah Nisi, the Lord our banner. Jehovah Sidkenu, the Lord our righteousness. Jehovah Mikadesh, the Lord our sanctifier. Jehovah Ra, the Lord our shepherd. Jehovah Rohi. It just goes on. The different names of God. There's actually 333 names, titles, and offices of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit from Old Testament to New. So just confessing the names of God of who he is releases his character, his nature, his power, his position into our life. That's the power of confession. So we confess who God is. We confess what great works he's performed. We also get to confess our sins. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, the light, the blood of his son, cleanses us from all sin. So confession brings Freedom, confession is good for the soul. And 1 John 1, 9 through 11 is if we confess our faults, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The word all in the original Hebrew or the Greek language there, it means all. <laughs> and he sets our sins as far as the east is from the west and he puts them in to a sea called forgetfulness. And he puts up a sign in the sea of forgetfulness, it says, no fishing. The other type of confession under the first type of prayer with prayer has seven dimensions is we confess who we are in Christ. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Christ in me, the hope of glory. As he is, so are we in this present world. Nothing, nothing is impossible. <clears throat> nothing is impossible with God. And since he lives in us, Nothing is impossible for us when we walk in agreement with him because we have a double-edged sword in our mouth. The word that he put in our mouth, open your mouth and he will fill it. And then we declare a thing in lockstep in relationship with him and it comes to pass because his word does not go forth and return void but accomplishes what it's been sent forth to do. Do you know angels respond to the two-edged sword in your mouth. When God puts a word in your mouth and you repeat that word, it has fire on it, it has power on it, it has love on it. When you just quote the Logos word, it may or may not, it's like hit and miss. I mean, you could quote, it's 807, 807. You could quote it's 807 all day long and twice a day you'd be right. That's the Logos word, twice a day you're right. But when it's the Rhema word, it's the God-breathed word, the double-edged sword in your mouth, it's not Christian lottery. There's a, an old story where a guy was praying under the Lord. He said, God, I've heard where you just open the Bible and, you know, uh, I get a word and I just really need a word right now. So he opened the Bible and it says, and Judas hung himself. So he's like, I don't, I don't like that. I better try this again, right? So he opened the Bible back up and it says, uh, go ye and do likewise. And he's like, oh no, that's not good. <laughs> and so he opens it back up and it says, whatever you do, you must do quickly. And he doesn't like that, so he opens the Bible back up again, and it says, do all the words written in this book. And so he realized that God wasn't speaking to him through Christian Bible roulette. Sometimes you have to wait upon the Lord or read passages of Scripture, and something will quicken off the page to you, and it's God speaking to you. Now, we know that wasn't God speaking to him in that way, because the Bible would never recommend that somebody go kill themselves. Thou shalt not commit murder, right? So that's just an illustration. So that's confession. Prayer has seven dimensions. Confession, confessing who God is, confessing what great works he's performed, confession of our sins for cleansing, and confessing who we are in Christ, and even more so, who Christ is in us. The devil's not afraid of you. He's afraid of Christ in you, the hope of glory. And when you carry his presence and his nature into the situation, what happens is, the enemy sees Christ in you. We're hidden in Christ. In him we live and move and have our very being. And when you show up on the scene and you're hidden in Christ, meaning you're walking with him and you've been sent into the situation, do you want to know what happens? The devil doesn't see you. He sees Christ in you and he's afraid of Christ in you. Okay, number two, supplication. Seven different types of prayer, seven dimensions of prayer available to every believer. 
Number two is supplication, which is basically requests and needs. And if you'll start with the confession of who God is, confessing what great works he's performed, confessing our sins for cleansing, confessing of who we are in Christ, you'll have great faith for now petitions or supplications, requests and needs. And what happens is you'll already have the mind of the Lord on this matter. You'll be in lockstep with him. You'll be working from him in prayer instead of trying to reach him in prayer. Have you ever prayed and felt like the heavens were brass? Other times you're like just in the flow of the Holy Spirit. You know, I, I heard somebody share something with me. They said, courage is simply fear that has said its prayers. <laughs> courage is fear that has said its prayers. So we go into the prayer closet weak, beggarly, confused, frustrated, angry, anxious, but when we connect with him, something happens. We go change from Clark Kent to Superman in the booth, in the secret place, and we come out clothed with power from on high, and we come out bold as a lion. We go in like a weak kitten, but we come out with the lion of the tribe of Judah in us. So number two is supplication, which is requests and needs. Requests and needs. There's nothing wrong with giving requests and asking for needs. But don't start with requests and needs. First confess who God is. You're the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Then confess who God, what, what great works he's done. You parted the Red Sea, you raised the dead, you opened the blind eyes, you bring water from the rock. Now our faith level starts to rise because when we, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, Romans 10, 17. So if we quote the word and declare the word and speak of who God is, let God arise, let his enemies be scattered. He inhabits the praises of his people. And we declare that our faith level rises when we hear the word of God coming out of our own mouth based upon the scripture. And supplication is to request needs. Number three is intercession. Now, intercession is praying in the Holy Spirit for others. Romans 8, 26 says, when we don't know what to pray for as we ought, the Holy Spirit helps us in our weaknesses or frailties and makes intercession for us with groanings that words cannot express. Romans 8, 26. So there's a type of intercession that comes upon us. Do you know you can't intercede for somebody unless the Holy Spirit empowers you to it? You and I can never enter into intercession on our own. We need the Holy Spirit to empower us to intercede. When we don't know what to pray for as we ought, the Holy Spirit makes intercession for us or through us with groanings that words cannot even express. The word groanings with words that cannot be expressed in the original Koine Greek language that the New Testament is written in is Words that cannot be articulated in human speech. If we speak in the tongue of men and angels. So sometimes you'll get an angelic tongue. Sometimes it's just a groaning and you're just crying out. You can't even get words out. But the groanings that words cannot express have been inspired by the Holy Spirit. And God understands your cry. Just like you understand a baby's cry from across the room, whether they're hungry, whether they're just being bothersome, whether they want to be held and picked up, or all of a sudden you hear a cry, you're like, oh my God, they're hurt. Boom. And you dart across the room. The baby didn't say, I'm hurt. The baby didn't say, I'm hungry. The baby didn't say, I want to be held. You know by the cry. And if you and I can discern that, how much more can our Heavenly Father? So, praying in the Holy Spirit for others is intercession. Standing in the gap for others, Ezekiel 22, 30 and 31 God says, I looked for a man who would make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me, but I found none, therefore I would have to destroy the land. And he says, I went and raised up my own intercessor, my son. I sent my son into the earth to stand in the gap. So here's what a gap is. So let's say you have a hedge of protection about you, like a fence about you, but there's a door in the hedge that you can enter and exit out. But there shouldn't be a hole in the hedge or a gap in the hedge for anybody to enter in. So what happens is if we kick a hole in a hedge, a serpent will come through and bite us. Ecclesiastes 10 verse 8, King James Version. So when we kick a hole in a hedge, somebody else can stand in the gap for us and intercede for us. That when the enemy comes, we get hit by the enemy. We're standing in our brother's behalf. I remember I was, I've never smoked cigarettes in my life. I, I lit one one time. I thought it was really cool. I had this uh, set of matches. I, you know, I done magic. I used to make jets disappear for a while before I got delivered from that. But I could like pull matches out of the air and strike them, you know, and with light. You know, it's really cool. And so I see this uh, gal with a cigarette, and it's in a bar. I wasn't born again at the time. And uh, she's with a guy, and she's like holding the cigarette to light it. 
And so I asked her for it and I'd seen somebody like flip it into the mouth, went right into my mouth. That was so cool. And I like lit the matches off the guy's, you know, suit jacket. And I lit the cigarette and I took a drag in. And I went to hand it to her and she was like all mystified and amazed. And I was like, oh, oh, how do you smoke those? Oh my God, that's terrible. And I walked out, you know, an utter failure and realized that cigarettes weren't for me. Thank God. Anyway, my point is this. So I've never been addicted to cigarettes by, by the grace of God. And I began to intercede for people that wanted to get delivered from cigarettes. And this is while I was incarcerated during that short little 20-year stint. Um, time, you know, flies when you're having fun. Oh, Lord. But, but here's what happened is I would begin to intercede and I would stand in the gap. It didn't get them delivered from the addiction that was in them, but it got them freedom from the demon that would come through the hole in the hedge and bombard them and try to tempt them, torment this and that. And I'd be waking up in the middle of the night with demonic dreams of me smoking a cigarette and getting that you know feeling you get from nicotine, which I've only had one time in my life from half a drag off a cigarette, not to be repeated. And, and so, uh, and let me just say this, if, if you smoke cigarettes, Somebody says to me, you know, am I going to go to hell if I, you know, smoke cigarettes? Absolutely not. You go to heaven because you're born again. You go to hell because you're not born again. But if you, you know, keep smoking cigarettes, you might get there quicker to heaven. <laughs> but you will be in the non-smoking section for eternity if you know Jesus. So, um, you know, so, so what happened is I started experiencing spiritual warfare while standing in the gap, making up the open door of the hedge. Your serpent comes through a hedge of protection if we kick a hole in a hedge through bad decisions. And, you know, you can make bad decisions with cigarettes. You can make it with, you know, high fructose corn syrup, you know, eating way too many donuts, too many carbs. Everybody makes different decisions. You know, we like to say, you know, in the church, we don't drink, smoke, or chew, or go with girls who do. But, man, we drink lots of coffee, lots of donuts, and we do late night eating. You know, we look like roly-polies. And, you know, and the world's like, why would I want to backslide and get into fellowship with you? You know, I think we need to have a good, well-balanced life. And when I say well-balanced, I don't mean a little faith and a little unbelief. Okay, that's a joke. Yeah. So, so what happened is I'm having these demonic, tormenting dreams as if I want to smoke a cigarette. Now, remember, I don't like cigarettes. So I can only imagine what it's like for the person who's trying to break that addiction without somebody standing in the gap. Jesus forever liveth to make intercession for the saints of God. They come to him. Hebrews 7.24. The devil forever accuses the brethren. The accuser of our brethren has been cast down. He accused the saints of God before the throne of God day and night. Revelation 12.10 and 11. So Jesus is the intercessor standing in the gap for us. And he forever liveth to make intercession. You want to know how he does it? Through you and me, double-edged sword. He inspires you to intercede in behalf of somebody else. Have you ever had... The spirit of intercession come upon you, you know, listening to music, you're talking, all of a sudden you're like, I got to pray for so-and-so, or you're wakened up in the middle of the night, and you have to pray, and you're like, get up, and it could last, you know, 60 seconds, it could last 60 minutes, you just don't know, but when it comes, you know you've got to stay in there until it's over, and afterward you find out there was a major thing that was occurring, they were either being tempted, they were in a potential car accident, a dangerous situation, or their life was in danger, and Jesus forever lives to make intercession. He was looking for somebody to partner with on the earth, which was you or me and that person's behalf. Because God loves us just the way we are, but he loves us way too much to leave us in our current condition. He changes us from grace to grace, faith to faith, glory to glory. He causes the path to go brighter and brighter as we journey down and we grow and mature. We walk in the measure of the fullness of the stature of Christ. And he loves to see us grow. I want to share this, you know, if you had a child who was, say, wetting the bed at a young age, five days a week, and that child got down to wetting the bed one day a month, you'd be very happy as a father or a mother, you'd be proud of your child. Now, if that child went on a sleepover with like 20 people, and that was the night once a month where they wet the bed, and everybody around them looking at them like, they're the bedwetter, yeah, bedwetter, <laughs> right? They'd come home in tears, completely rejected social rejection they're not rejected by the father or the mother they're embraced son or daughter i'm so proud of you you went from five days a week 
for one day a week to now one day a month. It just happened to be you hit the lottery, and I'm sorry that happened. So when we see other people that stumble one day a month, but they used to stumble five days a week, we have a tendency to call them sinner. Right? But what's God's perspective on them, whoever who forever lives to make intercession for them that they might become better. The only time we look down upon a person is when we're bending over to help pick them up, dust them off, put their feet back on solid ground. Because the thief only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus comes to give life and to give it more abundantly. The thief, the devil, is the accuser of the brethren. Jesus forever lives to make intercession. What ministry are you partnering with? The ministry of Jesus interceding for those who are stumbling? Or are you in lockstep in partnership with the ministry of Lucy, Lucifer, the devil, the accuser of the brethren, right? Whoever who loves to accuse. This is how you can tell what ministry you're in by how you spend your time, what you talk about. Because you can use your time in confessing who God is, confessing his great works, Confessing our sins and the sins of our people, interceding, and confessing who we are in Jesus. Or we can confess how bad and how this one, this and that, this, this, you know, I mean, come on. So, this is how you can tell, based upon the words and the time you spend out of your mouth, who you represent. And who you represent in this earth is who you get to spend eternity with. Because you're in partnership. Amen or ouch, hallelujah, or heretic. Okay, let's move on. Anyway, hopefully that helps somebody. So what happened was, um, then God gave me an anointing to pray for people to get delivered from cigarettes. And I would curse the root of nicotine, and I could literally smell the demon leave them. I'm not saying everybody who smokes has a demon. Most of the guys that I knew smoked did. Of course, they had a lot of demons in a lot of other areas. They were incarcerated, not for, you know jaywalking, <laughs> you know, and so, you know, they did some other things, but my point is this, I started cursing nicotine, and when they were ready, they would get delivered, like, instantly, and the whole desire would, like, every plant that's not been planted by my heavenly father, Jesus said, will be rooted up, Matthew 15, 13, and we'll, we'll pray tonight as we leave, and ask the Lord to break addictions, we'll just command them, because we've been, we're prayed up, double-edged sword. God brought this up tonight. It's certainly not in my notes. So God wants to deliver some people from addictions, whether pornography, drugs, alcohol, nicotine, marijuana, and other things. If you want to be free, God will deliver you. God always promises to deliver us from our enemies, but he never promised to deliver us from our buddies and our friends. As long as that thing's still your buddy or your friend, he won't deliver you. If you're 97% sure you want to be delivered, I'm not going to pray for you. God delivers the desperate. I'll pray for you and intercede for you. But as far as a declaration to get you free, when you're ready, God's ready. You're not waiting on God. God's waiting on you. He already paid the price 2,000 years ago, and he loves you this much. Cool, huh? Okay. Seven types of prayer. First one is confession. Second one is supplication, which is request and needs. Let your requests or your needs be known unto God. Number three is intercession, praying in the Holy Spirit for others. And number, second part of intercession is standing in the gap to make up the hedge. Number four, adoration, which is worship. Spending time adoring God for who he is. When you get into worship, time seems to stop. Whereas before you're in needs, this and that, you know, you get a text message on your phone and you're disrupted, I better check that, you know, this and that, I'm back with you, God. We're giving God half-hearted time while we're in prayer. When it's supposed to be a time of intimacy. Intimacy is a word that I like to say, into me you see. So when we're intimate with God, Lord, into me you see. Reveal to me the secret things of my heart. I'm letting you in. You know it all anyway, but I'm willingly opening the door for you to come in and suck. 
for us to have a table of peace together. If there's anything in there, root it up, pull it down, overthrow, destroy it, that you might build and plant afresh. Lord, put a mirror in front of my face and let me see myself as you see me for the good and also the not so good, that I might forsake the things that are not good and I might embrace the things that you see in me. It's not a condemnation mirror. It's a revelation mirror to set us free that we might say, oh my gosh, there's imperfections here, this and that. And so we might have imperfections and God wants to reveal the gold in us, the value. And we're focused on the dross. Ah, 99% good, but this 1% dross. You know what 14 karat gold is? like 50% pure gold. 18 per karat gold. 24 karat gold is like 99.99, right? But most people don't wear 24 karat gold. It's too soft. Yet we find great value in our necklaces and our, our watches and our bracelets. Like, oh, that's a beautiful bracelet. We should find that kind of gold value in each other. Instead of the impurities that we see in each other, let's call out the gold. Amen? We need to encourage one another. Okay, so worship is worshiping God for who he is. And worship can really only happen by revelation. So when we're giving God thanks and praise, we can do that. We thank him for what he's done, past tense. We thank him for who he is, what he's doing right now. We praise him for that. Enter his gates with thanksgiving in our heart. We enter his courts with praise. Outer courts is gates. Thanksgiving, what we see. Courts is praise, what he reveals from his word. And then worship is for who he is, holy of holies. Outer courts, inner courts, holy of holies. 30, 60, 100 fold harvest. Ask, seek, knock. For all who ask, it is given. All who knock, the door is open. Right? All who seek find. So it's ask, seek, knock. We ask, petitions need, give the gifts. We seek, we'll find, he'll give us revelation, and we'll praise him for it. And if we knock, the door is open, and we come in, where deep calls unto deep, but the noise of his water spouts, all the billows and waves of his presence wash over us. And the ark of the covenant presence of God, that Shekinah glory, we come clothed in his power as we walk out into the day, and we're the superheroes. We went in as Clark Kent with kryptonite on. We came out as Superman, Superwoman, Wonder Woman. We're clothed in the power of the Holy Ghost. So worship is worshiping him for who he is, and it's by revelation. The angels, the six-winged seraphims in Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah says, Woe is me, for I'm a man of an unclean lips. I'm a man of an unclean people. And God says, Who will go? He says, Lord, I'm, I'm filthy, and an angel came and grabbed a coal of fire off the altar, and he came and put it in Isaiah's mouth in the vision, and his mouth was cleansed. And he says, whom will I send? He says, Lord, send me. See, it's God who, God who sanctifies us. We don't sanctify ourselves, but we consecrate ourselves. Do you see the difference? Consecration is when we offer ourselves to God. Sanctification is when he cleanses us. When you go to the car wash, you have to show up for them to sanctify your car. Right? They don't show up to your house. They might for a premium. They might because somebody bought a Groupon and had a sent. Somebody might be interceding for you to be sanctified. They might have paid the price in prayer and fasting for you. But at some point, we have to consecrate ourselves. I have the monthly membership at the car wash. I go often. <laughs> but they don't sanctify my car until I show up and pull in that secret place and then the water comes and the bubbles come and it cleans and the brushes and that's what prayer is like we consecrate ourselves unto the Lord then he sanctifies us so when we spend time adoring God for who he is that is a type of worship and that Worship falls under the banner of number four, adoration. So just to repeat, number one is confession. Number two is supplication. Number three is intercession. Interceding for others. Four is adoration, worshiping God for who he is, and spending time with him in his presence, where sometimes you don't say anything. You're just there with him. And his nature rubs off. 
while you're with him. Hanging out with the devil, his nature will rub off on you. Bad company corrupts good manners. Guess what? The anointing comes by association too. By hanging out with anointed people, you'll be rubbed with that oil. Hanging out with God in a secret place, wherever you're at. His nature will rub off because he is the anointed one and the anointed. Okay, number five, communion. Resting in his presence, Psalms 46.10. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted in the earth. I will be extolled in the heavens, extolled in the heavens and exalted in all the earth. And then listening to his voice in that communion time where co-union, communion, where the two become one, resting in his presence with communion. You can also take the body and blood of Jesus. We like to and our prayer time, my wife and I get up and she plays piano and worships and sings and then she might, the, the heavens might open. I sit on the, the, the couch and I'm waiting for the Lord. I'll pray in tongues. She's worshiping. Then all of a sudden she'll see a vision, call things in. We'll be worshiping. We begin to pray up to God. Then we begin to declare down and we get revelation, the strategies of heaven. And I'm praying in in tongues and then I'll get an interpretation in English or a proclamation or a declaration or a decree or an interpretation of tongues or a prophecy. But it doesn't start that way in the morning. It starts with thank you Jesus. Thank you. But then all of a sudden the engine starts to get warmed up. We get jump started with worship and praise. And we spur one another on to good works where I might be lethargic in the morning. She might be on fire. Where she might be lethargic, I might be on fire. The two are one flesh. We're one foot thousand flesh. We can take 10,000. We need each other to help spur one another on to good works. So resting in his presence, Psalms 46.10, under communion, and listening to his voice, Psalms 45.1. You know that you can hear the voice of God. I've got a book called Hearing God 25 Different Ways, 25 Different Biblical Ways. And I encourage you to go on YouTube or uh, our, our ministry channel, virtualchurchmedia.com, and or on Amazon, Hearing God 25 Different Ways. It's a, it's a great book that reveals the multifaceted ways in which God speaks. He speaks through his word. He speaks like through dreams and visions. He speaks through prophecy. He speaks through angelic visitation. He speaks through the internal audible voice of God, the still small voice of God, the audible voice of God. He speaks through quickenings of the scripture, the primary way in which God speaks is through his written word, through the trusty 66 books of the Bible between those two fine Corinthian leather covers or between the two fine pieces of cover on your iPad. Now, when you can flip through or the audio Bible. But God speaks to us primarily about 90% of the time through his word. If we read his word, we pray unto him and then we read his word. When we pray unto him, it's us speaking to God. We read his word, it's God speaking to us. Then once we have that framework of scripture, he'll begin to reveal himself in visions or discerning of spirits or open visions or a bubbling forth and so there's so much more to that but tonight we're talking about the seven dimensions of prayer so communion is number five resting in his presence psalms 46 1 or 46 10 listening to his voice psalms 45 1 my tongue is the pen of a ready writer i speak those things that i have received as touching the king psalms 45 1 so in the secret place we spend time with the king he puts a double-edged sword in our mouth. He puts his word in our mouth. We believe, therefore, we have spoken. So it's a rhema word that goes forth and doesn't return void, but it accomplishes the work for which God sent it to do. And if we'll open our mouth, he'll fill it. And that doesn't mean we go around eating spiritual gunpowder all day and then shoot off our prophetic mouths the rest of the day, right? You know, start in the morning with that and then run off and be prophetic. Because that wouldn't be prophetic, it'd just be pathetic, right? Because we've got to have the nature of the Lord in us. But when we spend time with him, we don't just have the prophetic word, we have the prophetic character of Christ. He's a God of love. And then we'll restore such a one in a spirit of meekness, lest we too are tempted. Back to the cigarette thing. So as I began to pray for people, God just began to break that spirit of nicotine out of them. And I would literally smell the demon leave, smell the spirit of nicotine. Some people smoke cigarettes and it's really not an offensive smell. I mean, I've never really enjoyed the smell of cigarettes. Other people carry a different odor about them, and that normally means they have a demon. And it's a stronghold that needs to be broken. So not everything that a person does is a demon. Sometimes it's just a choice. But if you make that choice perpetually, 
I know some people, I don't know why I'm on a cigarette thing. Um, but I know some people, they spend their whole life around cigarettes. They take breaks to smoke cigarettes. They got to make sure they don't run out of cigarettes. When they're going to get low on cigarettes, they've got to measure how much money they have. They can't wait to get off a plane to go smoke a cigarette. They want to smoke one cigarette before they go through to get on the plane. Their whole life revolves around cigarette. My, my dad used to say, tobacco is a filthy weed. It was the devil who sowed the seed. It stinks your breath and smells your clothes and makes a chimney out of your nose. Smoke, smoke, smoke that cigarette. <laughs> don't smoke, don't smoke that cigarette. <laughs> anyway, so. <laughs> Funny, okay, anyway. So communion, resting in his presence and listening to his voice. Number six, thanksgiving. We thank him for what he's done and for what he is doing. God, I thank you. One day I, I was awakened three times in the night, one at 3 a.m., one at 4 a.m., and, and, and one at 5 a.m. And uh, I was, uh, it was two women with clipboards, and I think they were symbolic of angels or messengers. And I was in like uh, an office park, sitting down ready to maybe eat lunch or something. It was a bright day, industrial park. And uh, I was on a nice bench and manicured, you know, kind of area with beautiful lawns. And these two women showed up, one with a clipboard in hand. One stood and the other one said, the Lord, the Father has invited you to the office of Thanksgiving at 5 a.m. And I thought, the office of Thanksgiving? I said, he has? She says, yeah, he has. And she looked at her clipboard. And I woke up, it was 3 a.m. 4 a.m., I had a similar dream. Same two women came from a different angle. The Father has invited you to the office of Thanksgiving at 5 a.m. And I said, okay. They nodded, and I woke up. It's 4 a.m. 5 a.m., third dream. The Father has invited you to the office of Thanksgiving. Oh, yes, I know. I, I, I'm looking forward to it. And they nodded, and I woke up, and it was 5 a.m. And I got out of bed and I thought, okay, I guess I've got to give God Thanksgiving. I don't know what this office of Thanksgiving is, but you know, you get three dreams in a night, 3 a.m., 4 a.m., 5 a.m. I mean, this is the clue phone. Vanna White is offering three, three vowels to solve the puzzle. If you miss this one, you know, you, you might be in a, might not hear from God for a while, you know. So um, I got out of bed, 5 a.m., I'm in prison. It's about 1997. And I got on my knees and I began to thank God for what he has done. And it lasted about two minutes and I ran out of gas. I ran out of things. And I thought, well, okay, I guess I'm done. And all of a sudden, before I got off my knees and crawled back into bed, and it was dark in the unit because they didn't turn on the lights till 6 a.m., all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit reminded me of something that God had done for me that I didn't realize he'd done. And I said, oh, wow, you did that for me. I thought that was just coincidence. I thought it was my charisma that brought that. <laughs> I didn't realize it was the charisma of your Holy Spirit that did that. And so oh, that was a favor of God that did that. Or that disaster was averted. Or this was... And I began to thank him for these things. And all of a sudden, this began to flow. And God began to show me all these things that he'd done that I didn't know he'd done for me. But by revelation, I began to thank him for what he's done. And he began to show me what he's about to do. I began to thank him for the things he's about to do. And the next thing I know, it was no longer 5.02 a.m. The lights came on. It was 6 a.m. I'd been at the office of Thanksgiving for an hour. And instead of being tired because I got an hour less sleep, I was invigorated because I'd been in the presence of God. And then he began to do amazing things. You know, whatever gets rewarded gets repeated. If you thank God for something out of appreciation, he'll do something else for you. But if you take it for granted, he might back off. So I encourage you, because you're invited, to the office of Thanksgiving. Thank him for what you know about him, and he'll show you the rest, like he did for me. So, number six is Thanksgiving, number seven is praise. Praise is glorifying his name, boasting of his greatness. Praise is also commending God for his mighty acts. And sometimes you can just read Psalms 150, the last psalm in the book of Psalms. There's 150 psalms in the book of Psalms, verse 1 through 6, and you just read that out loud, and it's a very exciting psalm. So there's 31 Proverbs, which is one for every day of the month. There's 150 psalms, which means there's five for each day of the month. So 
you don't know what to read, you can start your day with one proverb, meaning a chapter, not one verse, and five psalms. And how do you know what day you're on? Well, if today's the 24th, you can start with Proverbs chapter 24. And tomorrow you can start with Proverbs chapter 25. And you can take the Psalms and you can just do them in five Psalm clips. And if you'll do that for 30 days, I give you the 30 day challenge, Psalms and Proverbs. It'll change your life. You'll have wisdom from the Proverbs and you'll have praise, thanksgiving, and adoration from the Psalms. So glorifying his name, boasting of his greatness, commending God for his mighty acts. So that is the seven different dimensions of prayer. One, confession. Two, supplication, which is requesting these. Three is intercession, interceding for others by the Holy Spirit. Four is adoration, which is worship and spending time adoring God for who he is. Five is communion, resting in his presence and listening to his voice. Six is thanksgiving for what he has done and for what he's doing. Seven is praise, glorifying his name, boasting of his greatness, commending God for his mighty acts. And i got to share something with you. When you boast in God for his greatness when you're alone with him, Psalm 68.1 shows up. God inhabits the praise of his, of his people. And when bless, praises go up, blessings come down, and when God arises, his enemies are scattered. If you struggle with torment, just begin to boast in God, and tormentors will leave. Okay, now, that's the prayer side. Ready for the warfare side? Too much? No. Okay, okay. We don't want you half equipped. Because warfare involves praying to God, getting filled up, and then going and praying against the enemy. When you have your phone, you have to charge it. No chargey, no talky. You ever run out of self? I, I got 2% left on my phone. I've got to put my phone on the charger. You don't want to be in warfare against the enemy when you haven't had your spirit man on the charger communing with God. Otherwise, you go to cast out a devil and it's like, come out in the name of Jesus. When you're charged up, it's like, you come out of him right now and the devil knows. He recognizes Christ in you, the hope of glory. Okay, so God's given us seven pieces of spiritual armor that are mighty through God to the pulling down of spiritual strongholds. 1 Corinthians 10 three through five. Here is seven pieces of armor from Ephesians chapter six, verse 10 through 18. And really put on the whole armor of God that you might be able to stand in the day. Stand therefore, having your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, the shield of faith and the sword of the spirit that you might be prepared for warfare. So this is the armor of God that we put on daily. How often do you put the armor on? You put it on every day. Don't go out without your armor. The emperor has no clothes. I think that's what the angels think about us sometimes. We go out without our armor and they're like, the king's kid went out without his clothing on. Spiritual armor. Now, we might have a beautiful suit or a beautiful dress on. We might be dressed to the nines, looking good, in the hood. We're looking vogue, going rogue. We're looking Chanel and Versace, whatever it is, but we don't have our spiritual armor on. Angels love to see us clothed in the armor of humility, in the armor of power, right? That's what catches heaven's attention. That's what catches the angels' attention. And they're drawn to that. The devil might wear Prada. I'm not saying Prada's good or bad, but I'm just telling you. What are you, what are you, what are you attracting with your outfit? You're going to attract angels with the right spiritual warfare armor. So angels recognize when we have the armor of God on, so do demons. Right? Okay, so the belt of truth is verse 14. So the belt of truth is how we literally gird ourselves with truth. Truth is the most important piece of armor because when we have truth, we're able to quench all the fiery darts of the evil one, all the lies of the enemy. And so all the armor clips into the belt of truth. If your belt is bent or broken, the other armor is off and there's holes in the armor. 
So there's the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the gospel shoes, preparation of the gospel of peace. And here's how you can know you've got on the gospel. You're walking in the shalom peace of God regardless. Oh, my wife and I know a woman and uh, she always walks in the peace of God. Nothing rattles her. We sometimes get rattled. And we're around her and she's like, oh yeah, you know, that'll all work out and this and that. And we're just like, well, you don't know what's going on. Yeah, but I know God's nature and this and that. And her life is rocky, but she seems to be stable like a ship. And we're like, man, you really got the peace of God. She's got her gospel shoes of peace on. So she could walk on water. Probably knows where the rocks are at. I don't know. But she could walk on water because Jesus is with her. Then the shield of faith and the helmet of salvation. Helmet of salvation is very important because you've got to have the right doctrine on but it's linked with truth. And then the sword or the rhema of the spirit. And then there's a seventh piece of armor. It's actually not in Ephesians 6, 18, 6, 10 through 18. It's actually the lance of intercession. So when we intercede, we get a free shot at the enemy. That's what warriors would do. They'd have a lance be on their back. And as they would go into battle, they would grab the lance and they would shoot it 30 feet away at the person and if it hit them now the person's wounded they can show up and finish them off with the sword wouldn't you like to have a free shot at your enemy the lance of intercession you can you can take the enemy out with intercessory prayer isn't that beautiful mm -hmm. might be a little gruesome if you have the perspective but the thief only comes to steal kill and destroy he's trying to take your head off he's trying to take your children we're in a real battle this isn't kumbaya, my lord. Kumbaya. It is come by here, my lord. So we can go to war against the adversary. And then I just want to share this. So the lance of intercessory prayers are free shot at the enemy with complete safety outside the adversary's reach. This lance can effectively fell our enemy in prayer from a distance before we engage in battle face to face in the natural. King David won the battle against Goliath with his sling and his rock and then from a distance and then cut off the giant's head with the giant's sword. 1 Samuel 17, 50-52. This could be referred to as a symbol of how we can fell or defeat our enemies with intercessory prayer and warfare. Whatever was written aforetime was for our learning, Romans 15, 4. We can defeat the devil, his angels, and demons, his fallen angels, with other types of prophetic weaponry. Some examples include shouting, 1 Samuel 4, 5, and 6, smiting our hands together to double the punishment, Ezekiel 21, 1 through 4. This is prophetic acts by the Holy Spirit, not just flesh shows, not this and that. David danced before the Ark of the Covenant. That was a type of prophetic act. Marching around a city and shouting, Joshua 6, 1 through 5, and verse 20. Breaking pitchers and blowing trumpets, clay pitchers and blowing trumpets, Judges 7, 20 through 22. Fasting also destroys the yoke of the enemy, Isaiah 58, 6 through 13. Is not this the fast that I have chosen to destroy the wicked yoke, to set the captives free? Then you will ride on the high places. Then you will hear a voice in your ear. Here's the way walking. And one day the Lord spoke to me about fasting. And by the way, Jesus talked about fasting. Jesus says, when you pray, right? He says, when you give. And he said, when you fast. He didn't say, if you pray, if you give, and if you fast. Fast, it's not a dirty four-letter word. It's a beautiful four-letter word like love. So when we do push-aways from physical food, God will feed us spiritual food. But this is what the Lord spoke to me one day. He said, David, fasting is not required for your salvation. It has been given unto you as a gift to access all the benefits of God. This one cometh forth by nothing but prayer and fasting, Mark 11, 9, 29, King James Version. Okay, so there's a little fasting thing. Do some pushaways. And by the way, it doesn't have to be 40 days. You can start with 40 minutes if that's all you can last. It doesn't have to be no water. You can do water only. You can do tea. Just work. The easiest way to fast is not eat anything after 6 p.m. and not eat anything before noon the next day. That's an 18-hour fast. Pretty cool, huh? Then the next time you can try 6 p.m. to 3 p.m. Now you've got a 
one hour fast. Then you can go 6 p.m. to 6 p.m. Now you've got a 24 hour fast. And once you get one of those under your belt, you can try a day and a half or two days or three days. I've been 21 days before, my wife has been 40. And when you spend time alone with God, giving up physical food at the leading of the Holy Spirit, this is not a competition. You know, if, if you are spiritual after three days, you're, you're probably better off than the person who went 40 and came out with like they've been baptized in lemon juice, mean as a horn, right? I know some people, they get meaner after they fast. I'm like, man, you need to eat. <laughs> You know, so that's another story. So fasting supercharges your prayers. Fasting adds an additional piece of spiritual armor called the glory of the Lord, which is your rear guard. When you fast, you not only have the full armor of God on, you've got the lance of intercession, but you've also got the glory of the Lord that covers your backside. Fasting destroys the yoke in us, and it gives us power to destroy the yoke over other people's lives of the enemy, and it gives us power, power to defeat our enemies. Conclusion, we've been, we have been given spiritual weaponry from God to battle against the enemy. To use it or lose it. Use it or it stays in the closet, right? We are not to be ignorant of the enemy's devices, 2 Corinthians 2.11. We're not ignorant. Do you want to know what knowledge of an attack does or knowledge of the enemy's plans it gives you half a chance not to be tripped up by it or defeated by it half a chance because you know about it you have foreknowledge but it should give you a hundred percent but we can't just sit around on our blessed assurance eating spiritual bonbons we have to take action in intercessory prayer and warfare and things in the natural as the Lord leads. We must stay in an attitude of prayer. And by the way, these weapons work effectively when we're in right relationship with God. Prayer is inhaling, warfare is exhaling. No inhaling, no exhale. Inhale, prayer. You go to do something, exhale in warfare. But if you're always doing the warfare, much prayer, much power, little prayer, little power, no prayer, no power. How much power do you have? Get back on the charger that you can use all the apps God's giving you and surf the spirit realm. We must put on the whole armor of God daily. When we're in a right relationship with God, we, with right relationship with God, we can easily defeat Satan every time. Isaiah 54, 14. No weapon formed against you will prosper, and every tongue that rises up against you in judgment shall be condemned. For this is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. Now that we're aware of these things, let us prepare for spiritual warfare in Jesus' name. Yesterday I was in prayer. My wife and I we were having our morning prayer time and I was not happy about some of the things that I've seen going on in the earth, in the area of just the way things have happened the last two and a half years. And I was like, Lord, I was, I was upset. I was, I was righteously indignant. And I said, Lord, when are you going to come in? When are you going to do this or that? When are you going to intervene? You know, this looks bad. And Jeremiah said, why do the wicked prosper, Lord? You know, so he, he went through several, similar things. And here's what happened. The Lord invited me to come up higher to see things from his perspective. Because the Lord sits in the heavens and he laughs and he has the wicked in derision. So here's what happened. In a vision, the Lord took me from praying up to him about these situations that I'm seeing on the earth, people in positions of power and office and you know, just some injustices and double standards. And he took me above the warfare and he allowed me to look down and to see what was taking place on the earth. And he said these words to me. If my people which are called by my name will humble themselves and pray unto me and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will heal their land. This isn't a political battle. It's a spiritual one. 
And God's waiting on our nation to call on him in spirit and in truth. Because our nation has partnered with the wrong spirit. And we need to repent, come out of agreement with that, and ask God to touch the hearts of people that they might have the gift of repentance and to cry out to him. God has no problem healing our land. He wants to do it. Jesus died for this to happen. But if we think in the natural, in warfare, instead of in the spirit, and nationwide repentance, praying revival from heaven to earth, we're going to be collateral damage. But if we get on the whole armor of God and press in with God and begin to intercede instead of accuse, when we intercede, God will peek through the second heaven and bring heaven to earth that it might be done in earth as it is in heaven. Let's pray. And for those that have struggled with addiction, that are listening online, or are listening to this on audio at a later time, or you woke up in the middle of the night, you're jonesing, it's your day to be free. I'm David Herobedian, and I approve this message. <laughs> Jesus has approved the message. He loves you just the way you are, but he loves you way too much to leave you in your condition. He wants to set you free. God delivers the desperate. And if you're sick and tired of being sick and tired, God wants to deliver you today, whether it's pornography, whether it's drugs, alcohol, whether it's promiscuity, it's uh, whatever it is, God wants to deliver you. He paid the price. Jesus was hung up for your hang-ups and mine. He delivered me, had mercy, and if he did it for me, he'll do it for you. Are you ready? Let's pray. In Jesus' name, whether it's the lockdown of lust, the bastille of bitterness, the penitentiary of pride, the handcuffs of hatred, the, the shackles of shame. Lord, I thank you for setting your children free, your sons and daughters free right now. I break the power of addiction, nicotine, that weed spirit, that 420 spirit, I break your power right now. Every plant that's not been planted by my heavenly Father shall be rooted up right now. I root it up. I root it up. I release the angels of the Lord to come minister to you. I also speak to that area where there was addiction. All addictions are a need for love. I release the Father's love to you to replace that woundedness, that rejection. Spirit of rejection, I break your power. Hope deferred, I break your power. Right now, I command you to come out right now. This individual's life. Father, I thank you for giving them new vision, a new perspective. I thank you for elevating them like you graciously brought me up in the realm of the Spirit yesterday in prayer that changed my perspective off of people in positions of influence or power and put it back on your ability to touch the lives of those on earth that would cry out to you, and then you would hear from heaven and heal the land. We thank you now. And I declare and decree freedom, freedom, freedom. I declare freedom by the power of the Holy Spirit, freedom by the blood of Jesus, freedom by the word of God, freedom by the sword of the Spirit. I declare freedom, and I declare addiction is broken right now. In Jesus' name. I see people that have pills that are going to go flush them. I see people literally throwing things away because whom the sun sets free is free indeed. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ has set you free and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. You are dead to that thing, but alive with God in Christ Jesus. Just say, I'm dead to sin but alive with God in Christ Jesus. I'm dead to that thing, but alive. Anytime it tries to come back, you just say, I'm dead to cigarettes. I'm dead to that thing. You can name whatever it is in that blank, whatever has been your stronghold. I'm dead to that, but alive with God in Christ Jesus. If old things have passed away, all things will become new. Thank you, Father, for cleansing them from their very thoughts, of thinking patterns. And I thank you, Jesus, for standing in the gap. To make up the hedge. When the enemy comes back in, they're not bombarded anymore. They now have their own mind to think by the mind of Christ. 
and choose life this day. Mm -hmm. We declare you free in Jesus' powerful name. And I break off automatic renewal and I command the default position now to shift into the mind of Christ regarding me. There it goes. There it is. Shift. Shift happens. Hallelujah. It's your day. Amen and amen. I'm David. This is my lovely wife, Joanna. There's Queen's Wave. And we are the Herobedians, virtualchurchmedia.com. Visit us online if you want to partner with us. We appreciate it. And uh, sew in. Help send us out. Fuel us up. Send us out. We'll see you next week. God bless you. Bye-bye. Amen. Amen.